Hello, this is Carolyn, and you're listening to Analyze Asia, a podcast dedicated to dissecting the pulse of business technology and media in Asia. Now, before starting this show, I'd like to thank all of our listeners on Spotify because in mid-September we just surpassed the one million mark for the number of times played, and so thank you to our listeners. And this week on the show, we have James Hall, co-host of the excellent China Tech Investor Podcast and founder of Hall X. Now, welcome back onto the show, James. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me back on. Congrats on uh, hitting a million plays. That's exciting. Thank you. It took us、uh, a little while, but you know, as it does,、uh, definitely a milestone to be celebrated. Now, since you have last appeared on the podcast, what have you been up to? Yeah, just recording podcasts and investing, researching companies, the usual. Of course, and also hosting your podcast and giving lots of great insights. <laughs> uh, and today we're going to be talking about a question I think that has been on a lot of people's mind, and that is: Should we be replacing Baidu with ByteDance in the BAT trio? And just for any listeners who are not familiar with the Chinese tech landscape, BAT stands for Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent—three tech giants. We also have another acronym that is TMD. That is the acronym for Toutiao, Meituan, Dianping, and Didi, which is a new generation of tech giants in China. And we're really asking if Toutiao, who is owned by ByteDance, should be taking the place of Baidu. So, what do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, it's a big question. I think we got to break it down. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So that's right. Maybe we should start looking at Baidu. It's a really old company in the age of China tech. So, how has Baidu performed as a public company for the past while? Let's say past decade or so. So the past decade, I mean, it's a share price. I mean, it went public quite a long time ago, kind of in the mid two thousands, and its share price has risen a lot from back then. I think it was, you know, based on today's kind of share count, and maybe there's some splits in there, but. From about eight dollars to now, it's about a hundred. But in the last year, Baidu hit two hundred and fifty-two, and now you know it's it's down to a hundred and three today. We're recording this on October eleventh, so it's been kind of up and down. I mean, as a business, it it just keep growing. They actually started IGE inside Baidu and then spun it out. They still own most of IGE. You know, they've been growing. They've had probably a tough last year, I would say, or last year and a half, and that's mainly due to entertainment. Type apps, so that includes games, but also、uh, the short video apps included, including、uh, Douyin from ByteDance. That's right, which is like the Chinese or the original version of TikTok, right? That our listeners might be more familiar with. You mentioned ITE. What are some other key businesses of Baidu? Most people know Baidu for their search engine. Yeah, if you say Baidu, probably the first thing that comes to mind is Google of China. They started as a search engine. They are still the number one search engine in China. They have, I think, 
September 2000 this year, September, they had 66% market share. So it's kind of hovered in that 66 to 76 range for the last year on a monthly basis. They also have other offerings. They have their own cloud offering. They have, uh, you know, Baidu Yunpan, which customers or users probably use. A lot of users use that in China. It's kind of like Google Drive or Dropbox, that's right. They also have Halkan Shirpin. They also have, they have a Baidu app, which they've added many programs to, and they've added uh, their Xiao Shirpin, like short video app to, which is basically the same thing as Douyin. It's, you know, you swipe up to get the next video. The video covers the whole screen. We can talk more about that when we get to ByteDance. But yeah, that's their main user interaction businesses. For their customers, they're mainly an advertising platform. I guess the other things the users use, sorry, we're kind of bouncing around here. (laughs) But the other things users know Baidu for is also their Teba and like their, I guess, what would you call that in English? Right, forum, yeah. That's right. It's kind of like a online forum. There are different topics and there are different forums for different topics. It's not exactly like Reddit, but Reddit does come to mind when I think of Tieba. I know they're also quite heavily invested in AI into their AI developers conference. And I've seen their work in the autonomous vehicle industry as well. They are developing, and they actually have cars, I think, or buses that are operating already in China, autonomous vehicles. And their Duar OS, which is kind of their their Alexa, you know, Amazon Alexa type product. Yes, I've, I've played with them a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah? What, what do you think with those? I think they try to do too much. I remember it being connected to a lot of different apps or interfaces and claiming that they could do a lot of things. I don't use these devices regularly. I just uh, played around with it when I went to their developers conference, I think back uh, two years ago. They say that their install base for Duar OS has about 400 million and they've done about, and this was in Q2 this year, 400 million uh, install base. And then their voice voice queries uh, are about 3.6 billion. I think these are cumulative. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's quite it's quite good. But they also have, I guess, a couple months ago announced uh, something called Ernie, which is like a natural language processing NLP uh, platform, which is similar to I think Google has one called Bert. So it's like Bert and Ernie. <laughs> but the Ernie one is supposedly done very well, and and based on the the report on Baidu's website that I read has actually beaten Bert in a few in a few tests. So that that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's very impressive. So is Baidu very much dependent on their advertising business, similar to Google in the U.S.? Oh yeah, definitely. The majority of their revenue comes from from advertising. It actually Baidu. You kind of have to separate it if you're going to analyze it financially. You need to look at Baidu Core and then IGE separately. So, and you take their revenues. Baidu Core is about seventy five percent, and IGE is about the other twenty five percent. But yeah, it's still very much marketing, advertising business. The thing that's kind of interesting about Baidu is it when they talk about their app, the Baidu app, I mean, they're talking about feed and trying to get into, you know, this feed business. And the, the whole idea is to get more users to interact with their app 
so they kind of use it more often and they can start serving them ads in other places, not just search engine ads, but also ads on videos, ads, you know, around videos, maybe game ads that work really well on, on video platforms. You can kind of see the game or see someone talking about it. Stepping back a little bit, Baidu's also sees itself as an interface to the web. And this is the same thing with working hard on NLP and kind of AI in that, that area. They want to be kind of the interface for voice. So they also recently just signed like a pact or some sort of agreement to create, to make uh, these smart speakers work with multiple voice apps or interfaces, maybe you should call them. And they signed that with Amazon and I think a bunch of other companies. But the idea would be if you buy one of these smart speakers, you can say, hey, Alexa, and then something for Amazon. And then you can say, hey, whatever Baidu's is, that's for Baidu. Uh, that's kind of interesting too. Mm -hmm. That seems like a new direction. Robin Lee views search and what they did before as being kind of an interface to the web. You know, you just, you go to Baidu, you type in what you want, you can kind of find it. And he's also big on talking about trying to find types or verticals on the internet that have unstructured data and trying to find a way to structure that data and then create like a easier way to view it on Baidu's own system. So then it can then serve ads, you know, within their system and track the quality of those ads and all that. But problem is ByteDance came around <laughs> and we can maybe go to them now. Because when you start talking about how uh, the search engine is more like a feed, Toutiao, which is the ByteDance signature feed uh, app immediately came to mind. Right, right. Yeah, so feed is actually, you can think about it as, I mean, it started with news feed, right, with Facebook. And when it started with Facebook, kind of the way Mark Zuckerberg explained it was he said, and I have the quote here, you know, he was facing a lot of anger about adding this thing. People were saying it's kind of stalking and invasion of privacy, which, you know, probably was. He apologized for it later. But in his uh, kind of initial response, he said, this is information that people use to dig for on a daily basis, nicely reorganized and summarized so people can learn about the people they care about, right? So instead of having to click into people's profiles, you could just scroll through the feed and get an update on everybody that you are connected with. So ByteDance, they call themselves like effortless content discovery. So actually ByteDance is kind of a feed company. That's like they take feed and they put it, they, it's like the core of all their products, I, I feel like. That's right. So Toitiao is very much so a feed kind of content aggregator discovery platform, they call it. Douyin is very much news, but also there's you know, like stories and different things in their history and all sorts. Right. And then Douyin is kind of a short video feed where you can open the app and just immediately start searching or start viewing videos. So like it, comparing it to YouTube, you have to kind of open YouTube and start like either type something in that you want to see or maybe the recommendations that like this huge, you know, screen of recommendations that you see, maybe one of them's right. But with doing like the, the whole thing is that the videos are full screen so it hides the time on your device and you can like swipe to the left and like pull the right side 
and that'll open that person's account, whoever's video it is. Or you can swipe up and that'll just keep going to the next video. You swipe down, you go back to the video before. That's right. And I feel like one of the biggest advantages that uh, Douyin has or that TikTok does really well versus YouTube is on YouTube, you generally have to view quite a few number of videos for the recommendations to become more and more accurate because, you know, they're learning. Whereas on Douyin or on TikTok, I think very soon they will learn your pattern or your preferences and they're just going to be pushing these videos or these feeds, video feeds that they think you'll like very quickly. So if you, you know, spend a, a few more minutes watching a dog video and when you scroll down, when you continue to scroll down for the next and the next videos, you're going to be seeing a higher percentage of, for example, pet videos. And that happens really quickly. Yeah, it takes like basically the videos are short. So if you stay and watch the whole video, that probably means maybe you liked it or it's something that's interests you. And maybe that's 15 seconds, maybe it's 30 seconds, whatever it is. But if you're swiping up quickly, I mean, those you're probably not interested in that content for whatever reason. Yeah, you mentioned YouTube and this is probably going off track, but there was a a white paper that came out of Google. I didn't read the white paper, but I read a blog post by the guy who basically worked on YouTube's AI. And I guess they built it in the early 2000s and it hadn't really been updated, but it was basically built to optimize the amount of time that people watch YouTube. And it turns out one of the downsides of that is that the, the people that watch the most, most YouTube are people who get kind of locked into conspiracy theory stuff and uh, flat earth type stuff. So it was kind of weird that... That's kind of funny. <laughs> it is funny, but it's weird that like if... So if you think of that as a group of people, and then if they watched any video kind of, you know, that that wasn't in that core, th those videos, if you watched a video that was somehow related to those videos that they watched you would start seeing, you know, flat earth or conspiracy theory movies or videos on YouTube recommended to you because it was trying to push you towards that because that's where you got the most time spent and the most time to send ads to you to watch. And so anyway, YouTube had, wrote a white paper on the discovering this and I guess has made changes. But it's interesting how you know, these algorithms do have side effects, you know, right? So, you know, we'll see see how that all plays out. But yeah, Douyin, they also, so by, back to ByteDance, Douyin, uh, they also have Shigua, which is a short video platform, goes up to 20 minutes. They have a bunch of other ones. I think Duoshan is another. They have something called Lark, which is a work platform, work messaging, kind of work project management app. They have lots of different apps and platforms. I believe their ByteDance is also nicknamed like an app factory because how quickly they can turn out apps. It's like a factory. Supposedly, Douyin was built by, and I read this somewhere, so I could be wrong, but supposedly it was built by eight people in 200 days. That's pretty impressive. Now, ByteDance is actually the most valuable startup in the world. They're valued at $75 billion with their recent round with SoftBank. I know they're not, of course, a public company yet, but do we have any metrics to know how they're performing as a business? So so some numbers from uh, Quest Mobile, which is a data aggregator focusing on mobile apps. This is a podcast. It's horrible to talk about charts on a podcast, but 
I'm going to do it because it's just it's just so ridiculous. You can see like it, this chart I'm looking at compares Kwaisho and Douyin and Kwaisho's had a nice slow steady increase, you know, over the last 2 years and then Douyin just kind of pops up around January 2018 and just starts to really grow like crazy all the way to June. And GGV Capital on their website has a chart of Douyin's daily active users and it starts in January 2018 at 40 million and it ends June at 2018 at uh, 150 million. But the time spent numbers are even crazier because it just like you can tell that these users are actually spending more time as they go on the platform. It's it's uh, pretty in in incredible. So yeah, that's that's one way you can kind of see you know how they're doing. You can also look at financials. So Reuters, I forget, I don't know who I read a Reuters report about this, but ByteDance revenues in the first half of this year were about 50 to 60 billion RMB. And I'm going to guess that about 85% of that comes from advertising and maybe the remainder comes from e-commerce and maybe some other things. So the information reported actually last year, 2018, that they had about roughly 49 to 50 billion RMB of revenue. So they've already basically hit that in six months of this year. ByteDance supposedly is projecting 120 billion in revenue for this year. Okay, so that's about 16 to 17 billion US. In comparison, if we say, just, just take Baidu Core for now, they did 37 billion RMB in the first half of this year and 78.3 billion in 2018. Uh, if we add in IGE, those numbers go up to 50.4 and 102.3 respectively. I mean, ByteDance is basically surpassing Baidu plus IGE. That's quite something. Obviously, it's hard to compare a public company's market cap with a private company's valuation, but we can do it. Let's see, Baidu right now, their market cap is 36.2 billion, you know, so that's roughly half, less, a little bit less than half of ByteDance at 75 billion. It's a pretty big difference. That's right. And how do they both compare with Alibaba and Tencent, which are the other two parties to the BAT trail? Um, so that's a good question. First of all, without looking at the numbers first, let's just go through kind of how they're different. Like Tencent, I mean, most people probably already know this, but they're they're mostly a game company. And then they, they have WeChat, which is used for anything for messaging to payments to uh, mini programs to, I guess there's e-commerce there as well. And it's basically the must-have device. Uh, app for everyone in China. Alibaba, on the other hand, is a, you know, for users, this is a shopping uh, or e-commerce browsing apps, you know, like Taobao, Tmall, uh, but it's also got payments with Drupalbao, Ali, Alipay. If we compare these on time spent, Tencent, obviously, because it's kind of the utility of the internet or the, or of China for for apps, like everyone's interface to the outside world basically, is Tencent, uh, is WeChat. So Tencent leads with about 42%. These numbers, by the way, are from Quest Mobile. Tencent leads with 42%. In June, This these numbers from June 2019, and they're from Quest Mobile. Tencent leans with, leads with 42.3%. Then there's ByteDance with 117 Then Ali 
Alibaba with 10.1%, and then finally Baidu with 6.3%. Now, what's kind of interesting is two companies here actually had their market share and time spent drop from 2018 June. So in the last last year, the two companies were Tencent and Baidu. And their drops were uh, for Tencent minus 3.6% and for Baidu minus 1.2%. ByteDance was the only one that increased. It went up 1.4%. Alibaba was basically the same with like 0.1% increase. Right. So instead of spending time on WeChat or playing some of Tencent's games or uh, using the Baidu app, people are flocking to all the ByteDance apps instead. That makes sense, actually. But what's interesting is all the e-commerce that you that you do on Alipay or Alibaba is still staying steady around 10%, which is kind of, which is, I think, very interesting. Yeah, because I don't believe Douyin has a lot of the e-commerce like shopping um, functionalities uh, yet. And so all the people who are really addicted to shopping or just really enjoy looking at products will still be flocking to Taobao. And there are also uh, video channels on Taobao as well. So if they liked short videos or li- live streaming, they can still uh, watch that within the Taobao app. Yeah, the live streaming, oh man, that's that's pretty, it's pretty, I haven't watched much of it, but the stuff I've seen, it's, uh, it's pretty intense. Yes. <laughs> you got like really, it's funny. I mean, some of these guys are really funny. I've, the one guy I watched was, he was, uh, is a guy dressed up in like full like woman's wig makeup and I guess he was selling makeup and that's a you know that's kind of funny and obviously people will watch this stuff and uh, I mean one of the most popular guys on Douyin is a guy who reviews uh, lipstick. You're talking about Li Jiaqi. Yeah. He made a record uh, selling lipstick with uh, Jack Ma actually on November 11th like the shopping day I believe last year. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's another kind of interesting thing about Douyin. I don't know the numbers for Alibaba, Tencent, or Baidu, but interesting about Douyin is that I think still a majority of their users are females, which is an obviously a category that advertisers like to target. And I think they used to be at least the numbers I saw skewed younger. So that's also a category that advertisers like. Uh, yeah, I have a cousin who's in grade school who also watches Doin from time to time. I think that's a bit too young, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. When we step back for a second, like basically all of these companies have advertising built in like to their business model in some way. They're getting revenue from advertising. What's kind of interesting is to think about how they're different. Alibaba, advertising on Alibaba is very specific for products that you're selling or, you know, it's very kind of you can target people that are like searching for that specific product or you can you get more exact. Baidu is less so. It's more kind of broad based, I think. ByteDance is definitely more broad based and Tencent as well. Or if you're uh, a company and you want to advertise your products or you want to build awareness of your brand, the most popular or and this is just me guessing, but I think one of the more popular ways is to use ByteDance and to use maybe KOLs or I think I remember seeing that, you know, there was something where Pizza Hut, you could like create little, I don't know what they're called, but like screens, like icons that can like show up like next to your face while you're, while you're. It's like a filter. A filter, right. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, obviously filter. You can have like special filters. Pizza Hut was doing that. I think there's also, you can different ways to play games and things on ByteDance. Uh, but it's all, what's really interesting about this is it's all just kind of being created like as we speak and it's all changing really fast. And so, you know, for companies that aren't in the front where they have the companies in the front, I, I would say have the attention, right? They have users coming and using their app. Those companies get to kind of get innovate faster and, and get ahead a little bit. Whereas companies that don't have the users and kind of maybe don't have as much time, user time, they don't, it's a little bit harder to kind of jumpstart and get that. And I think that's kind of where Baidu is, what I would say. And ByteDance and Kwaisho seem to be kind of the, the two that are capturing more time these days. And what are some of Baidu's competitive advantages that you think will allow them to you know, stay competitive within the BAT? I think they're still competitive on search. They're still, you know, I mean, most recently, 66% market share is serious. Now, the question is, though, how important is search going to be? You know, we have Toitiao, ByteDance's kind of content aggregator. They've added a search engine. Tencent has their own kind of search within WeChat. Alibaba, obviously, you can search for products. Baidu, definitely, if you're talking to anyone and you're having a discussion, there's some question you don't know. I mean, people say just Baidu, you know, Baidu is yeah, right? Just like Google it. <laughs> yeah, Google it. We don't know. Let's Google it and figure out the answer. Um, so for that kind of thing, I mean, they're definitely like, there's no one can really touch them there. But, you know, how does that fit in with advertisers? I'm not really sure. How much do advertisers want. I mean, one of the things that I thought was, I, you know, I follow these companies and Baidu did something kind of weird in Q1 of this year. They stopped disclosing their online marketing customers. They used to disclose kind of the number of them and they stopped disclosing that. It looks like it ended around 529,000. Do you think it's because it has decreased dramatically or what do you think is the reason? My guess, I mean, usually, yeah, usually when they stop disclosing something, it's not because it looks better, it's because it looks worse. I would guess that it, it's probably gone down. And Q1 of this year, I mean, last year it still kept inching up, but it did something kind of funny. So we were talking about January to June, which is Q1, Q2 of 2018, where Douyin really just hit it off. They still had a little bit of an increase, but in the second half of 2018, their sequential change just kind of went down quite a bit, which could be seasonal or could be an impact from Douyin. So yeah, I'm not really sure. I, at the end of the day, Baidu is still a advertising majority ad advertising business. So if they're getting less customers, you'd hope that the ones that stay are spending more. And that seems to be the case because their revenues are, they still increase. Although the Q2, the last quarter they had, it was a year over year increase of only 1%. So actually Baidu Core has been, on a sequential basis, it was up year over year, it was down a little bit, down about 2%. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's hard to, I think Robin Lee has recognized the problem as early as last year, because when you listen to their earnings calls, you can hear him talking about feed 
and talking about how kind of important this is and how they're they're really putting their effort into the short videos and getting mini programs on their app and kind of trying to create like a little super app, you know, around search and it's like search and entertainment. I'm not sure how they connect you know, that easily, you know, if it was search and something educational, like you're learning something or something like how to videos or how this works type videos. I mean, I think that could be an easy connection. But yeah, when it's short videos of like pranks that, you know, someone's playing on somebody, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not sure how that connects, you know, with the idea of Baidu being a place you go for knowledge and information that is out on the internet that is easier to find through Baidu. I don't personally think very highly of Baidu's search engine. The only reason why I use it is when, or the only time that I use it is when my VPN is down. So I can't access uh, Google uh, or else I just would try to avoid it because I don't think the results, especially if you were to search for anything that's not in Chinese, is very accurate. But even if it is in Chinese, sometimes the website that you'd uh, want to find uh, is not within the first page because it is just filled with ads. A lot of complaints are that Baidu puts a lot of their own content farther up in the search and it's kind of it, it's it's kind of true i mean there's been some people who wrote long blog posts about this where they search for something and just highlight all the different baidu you know owned sites or sub sites or whatever that hog the real estate but yeah it's it's incredibly frustrating to have to click to second or third page you know to find something but yeah english if your vpn's down english searching you got to use bing uh, is the <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah, that's what you got to use. That's what I heard. And and you just mentioned that ByteDance also released Search Engine as part of Totiao. I checked it out recently. I didn't know it was possible to make search engines that is worse than Baidu, but it is worse. And <laughs> the search function in WeChat, I know it exists and it works, but I honestly don't think that is a function that people use very frequently. And it's not, I don't think, a function that they optimize regularly to make it better. So I think, unfortunately, there just aren't a lot of options in China. Yeah, I think for... Totally. I mean, there's Sogo as well. Sogo has some... I think it's uh, 17 or 18% of the market. And then there's uh, Shenma, which has about 7%. Uh, and then there's a few, a bunch of other smaller ones. But yeah, with WeChat search, I mean... I find it kind of interesting just to kind of, you know, you can search for a topic and see posts about it. It's not going to, like, if you search for the weather tomorrow, you're not going to get the weather tomorrow. You're going to get posts about weather sometime, you know, and it's not going to, it's not going to help. But if you're looking for like, hey, are people talking about this? Or like, what are people writing about this topic? I mean, that's where WeChat is kind of interesting. Yeah, for Totiao, I, I don't use it. I don't even have the app. I've heard the uh, content itself isn't even that great. But I mean, that could, could be changing. I don't know. Now, we started the conversation by asking whether ByteDance could replace Baidu in the BAT. And I actually searched this exact question in Chinese and on Zhihu, which is the Chinese version of Quora, I found an answer that had 22,000 upvotes. 
upvotes similar to uh, what you see on Reddit. And I think one of the things that this answer says makes a lot of sense is in the very beginning, to answer this question, the poster, the answer, it starts with saying that a lot of people don't understand that BAT is called BAT, not necessarily because of its size, not necessarily because of its revenue, not because of its market size, and also not because of its profit, but because of the amount of public basic infrastructure that they have built in their respective fields and how that has developed into complete ecosystem. And these ecosystems cover all aspects of the internet. And it goes on to explain what are some of the basic infrastructures uh, of the internet and how these three giants, BAT, are connected with all these areas that you've never heard of or they own these apps or these companies that do all these things that you've never heard of. Whereas they talk about how Totiao, even though it's got a lot of, you know, DAU, MAU, but it's still just in entertainment and entertainment doesn't really touch the basic infrastructure. And that's why it still has a long way to go. Uh, whereas the, the answer also mentioned uh, the other two out of the TMD. So DD and also Mei20MPIN, how these two companies are actually starting to build a lot of the basic infrastructure within their respective fields. Uh, so they're actually more of a contender than Totiao in that respect. So I guess it's really about uh, what you think qualifies a company to be named in the trio, uh, what kind of measurements that you're uh, using. That was a really good answer. So if uh, any of our listeners are interested in, in learning more and can read Chinese, just search for the question whether ByteDance can replace Baidu uh, as the third largest internet company in China. And you will find this excellent response. Yeah, you you sent me that article before we talked, and yeah, I think Meituan he's he's got some really good points. I mean, they are building basically the only option for restaurants for food delivery. You know, in some ways, they've acquired a bunch of also some other things there, but you know, and, and in terms of local services and travel, bikes, you know, all this stuff, it's uh, it's really. They are building infrastructure there. I am curious, though, like what, yeah, like how does, uh, in what sense could the infrastructure be changing? I mean, one of the things that makes Alibaba and Tencent so powerful, they do have a lot of infrastructure, but they also have very significant cash flow. And I mean, Baidu does as well, but it's not not nearly as, as powerful. If you're going to compare Baidu with Alibaba and Tencent, they sort of missed, although they've tried, but they've sort of missed the mobile payments bandwagon. And that's a huge piece of infrastructure that crosses internet to online, offline. I mean, it's it's massive. That's kind of a giant loss for Baidu. And they've tried to fix that. I mean, they sponsored the Spring Gala Festival. And, you know, I saw some numbers that showed, you know, their user numbers for that week, you know, during that gala. And it was like a very small bump. So yeah, I, I don't, they spent quite a bit of money and didn't really get what appears to me, they didn't get much from it. So it's hard to, to break into that payments 
market when it's already two big players, right? That's right. So I think it's more about what is the next arena that they're going to be fighting in, right? And whether Baidu is going to miss it or is it going to lead? I mean, I think it could be. It's a big, big question still, but autonomous vehicles, you know, smart speakers and kind of being an interface in those domains are potentially interesting. I mean, they're, I mean, you have on your phone, we all have microphones and you could maybe voice will take over search. I mean, part of Baidu's app is like right at the bottom, there's a voice button. You can push that and speak. You can push that and speak and get your search results. That seems to be the next interface that they're maybe putting their money on. Whereas, you know, Alibaba and, and Tencent, they they kind of already have built their fortresses, so to speak, right? I mean, Alibaba's got e-commerce and they have a huge piece of mark of wallet share, right, of Chinese consumers with Taobao and Tmall. JD's growing, Pinduoduo's kind of the third, but also growing. And then Tencent, obviously, WeChat is number one most used app. And then they have games and entertainment, which, you know, has been a tougher a tough year for for those for that segment. Yeah, so they're all just fighting in their own field as well, and so we we always knew that it wasn't going to be an easy question to answer. You know, if we should just replace Baidu with ByteDance, but it's still a very good discussion to have once in a while to check how these giants are doing, uh, what uh, potential fields that they're going into, and how their numbers look like. So one, I heard this, I, I don't know who came up with it, but instead of B-A-T, maybe changing the letters a little bit, maybe it could be A-T-M, Alibaba, Tencent, and Meituan. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty easy to remember acronym. And uh, we'll see if that ends up, if these three end up being the trio that leads in, in the future. So before we close, I would like to ask if you have any recommendations for our listeners. Maybe it's a book, a movie, or a podcast, or any consumable content that you'd like to share. I think last time I was on, I recommended the myth of capital, uh, the myth of capitalism, uh, by Tepper and Hearn. Uh, Recently, or I guess not that recent, but several months ago, I read I Love Capitalism by Ken Langone. <laughs> that was uh, quite good. But also, I've reread The Great Rebalancing by Michael Pettis, and it looks at the, the imbalances between China and the U.S. and kind of the rest of the world and goes into like what these mean, what, ha what might happen in the future. And he has some, some things that he said that seem to be happening now. So uh, super, super interesting. But yeah, there's I have too many books, uh, not many movies or anything else. But yeah, I have a lot of books. I can keep going if you want, but maybe you should stop there. <laughs> I, I can... <laughs> yeah, I can give a few recommendations too. I've always wanted to get into reading a genre of Chinese fiction called wuxia. And for those of our listeners who are not very familiar, it literally means martial heroes. So it is a genre that concerns with the adventure of martial artists in ancient China. Um, and I read a very famous series that is called Xiao Ao Jianghu in Chinese, or it translates to the smiling and proud wanderer. 
and that is written by Charles Cha, or uh, his Chinese name is, or his pen name is actually Jing Yong in Chinese. And funny enough, uh, Alibaba, uh, for example, Jack Ma, as well as pretty much all of the employees in Alibaba, excluding certain subsidiaries, uh, they all have nicknames that come from these uh, wuxia novels. Uh, so that's very, very interesting. For example, Jack Ma himself, his nickname is from the book uh, series that I just read, A Kung Fu Master, <laughs> a sword master, actually, by the name of Feng Qingyang, I believe. Yeah, so that's an interesting random fact as well. And how can our audience find you, James? Yeah, you can hear... Elliot and myself on our podcast, China Tech Investor, on any you know podcast app. But you can also find me on Twitter, uh, James Hall X. I'm also on LinkedIn, whatever it is, slash James Hall. And you can find more episodes of Analyze Asia on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, Himalaya, and everywhere else that plays podcasts. And you can also tweet to us your feedback at Analyze Asia or write to me at carol at analyze.asia. Now, thank you so much, James, for coming onto the show and sharing your insights with us. And I'm sure our listeners will hear from you again in the future. Thanks, Carol. Thanks for having me.